Welcome health enthusiasts. You're tuned into Health Unabashed on Healthcare Now Radio, your one-stop shop for all things health, wellness, and innovation. We're here to shake up the status quo in health, making it sustainable, equitable, and oh-so-patient-centric. I'm Greg Masters, your co-host and executive producer, and I'm joined by the digital health aficionado himself, author, thought leader, and might I add, in his executive role, steward servant, Gil Bash. Together, we're on a mission to bring you the people, the ideas, and the companies that are not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. On today's menu, Gil chats with Dr. Narinda Bala, Senior Vice President, Worldwide Medical and Head of Cardiovascular and Established Brands for Bristol-Myers Squibb, a global biopharmaceutical company whose mission is to discover, develop, and deliver innovative medicines that help patients prevail over serious disease, and Jamie Strauss, RN, MSN, MBA, the Chief Clinical Officer at Viz.ai, the leading AI care coordination platform for disease detection and workflow optimization. So with no further delay, Gil, the mic is yours. Greg, once again, I want to thank you so very much for the gracious introduction. This show is really made possible thanks to your magic and your commitment to public health. And I just want to remind our listeners that uh, Greg and Fred Goldstein have an incredible show on Healthcare Now Radio, uh, Pop Health Week. It's an important show, more important than ever, because I've, I've always believed that that we really have to focus on everyone's health in order to really address public health. And often the people who are in, most in need get the least amount of attention. So I always appreciate, Greg, that you and Fred are raising these issues and really speaks to the program we have today. We have two incredible guests, and I'm very excited about introducing them. Uh, uh, Jamie Strauss, who's the Chief Clinical Officer of Viz AI, is a very important company working in the area of of, um, augmented intelligence. I'm I'm not a big fan of the other AI. I'll, I'll send it artificial intelligence. I don't think art- intelligence can be artificial. It's augmented by intelligence that we look at on mass. And VizAI really has been, I think, one of the key companies out there that is practically making a difference right now by taking a look at cardiovascular disease. And we have with Jamie an incredible guest. We have with us today, Dr. Nani Bala, head of cardiovascular established brands at Bristol Myers Squibb. He's been both on the patient care side. He's been on the industry side. He's an innovator. He has a deep appreciation for technology and the role of technology in clinical care. And these two leaders have done something that we talk about often, but we don't see enough of, collaborate. And I really want to talk about the fact today when clinical advances, treatments for patients, and technology find harmony, the possibility of bringing care closer to the patient becomes a reality. So uh, Nani, Jamie, welcome to the program today. It's a thrill to have you. And I wanna kick off immediately with a a question for both of you, a little bit about, if I understand correctly, the genesis of this relationship was not one knocking on the door of the other, but rather, a um, someone in the know in the industry saying to you both, I think the both of you should sit down at the table. I think that one plus one is definitely going to equal four when it comes to the possibility 
of taking a look at a patient community that is underserved. Um, is is that right, Nani? I mean, you you're sitting there from the perspective of you know the cardiologist person who's overseeing a tremendous amount of clinical work from one of the world's leading pharmaceutical companies. Um, did you see the potential of the two of you getting together? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think that when we are looking at certain cardiovascular issues, and and you know, particularly in this case, uh, where the, our relationship started was more on a cardiomyopathy side with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. You know, recognizing that you know this is a a, a disease that has a, a reasonable prevalence. It's it's a rare disease. It's a very com- it's the most common genetic cardiac disorder. And when we start thinking about that disease, you know, what we start to recognize is that. It's it's not diagnosed as as much as it should be and as quickly and as early as it should be. It's a progressive disease. And then the question is, well, are there mechanisms and things that you can put into play that actually allow us to diagnose this disease sooner and earlier? And that's where, you know, we felt that technology could help. And that's it's pretty much out of that thinking that the that the relationship uh, was was born. You know, it's it's so important to hear that. And and Jamie, I, you know, I was recently at um, the meeting Health Without Vowels and was being interviewed about my my sort of takeaways of health. And I said I thought the big shift with AI was the the focus suddenly on the practical. And in this relationship, from what I've been able to determine from studying the background between Viz AI and BMS, this is a very practical life sustaining engagement. I mean, you're looking at people as, as uh, Dr. Bala Nani said, you know, cardiomyopathy is considered a rare disease. If I understand correctly, and you'll both correct me if I'm not on target, about 85% of the patient population goes undiagnosed to a tipping point where obviously it's so evident that um, we have a problem that the, finally they get into the into the sort of the treatment pipeline. Can, can you share with us a little bit about the the vision of AI, not as a concept, but actually AI doing some practical work to improve lives? Yeah, I think you know when we talk about this disease, it is a rare disease, and there is even discrepancy in the literature about what the actual prevalence is. So the goal for us at Viz is really tackling how do we find patients in various communities to help bring care to these patients and to the appropriate specialists to help support them. That's that's great to know. And by the way, for our listeners today, um, Jamie is dialing in from an airport. I don't know what airport. Uh, what airport are you calling in from, Jamie? <laughs> I'm in Newark. I'm trying to eliminate Newark. as much my, background my, noise my, as possible. That's cool. That's cool. One of my favorite <laughs> airports. As a matter of fact, just just for people who are listening in, um, people often say to me, where's my office? And I say, wherever there's a Newark um, a United hub, that's <laughs> usually where you'll find me in some United club around the world. So I, I, I'm here from my, in my studio today, Jamie, and, and you're taking the lead it's someplace in uh, Newark Airport. So thank you. Thank you for replacing me today so I can be home. Um, I want to thank you. You know, uh, Nani, I want to get back to this core issue of the relationship. You have a technology background. I mean, obviously, you're a very skilled, noted cardiologist. Um, We know that you've had some amazing mentors in your career because we we talked about them before the show. You have an appreciation for the role technology can play in medicine. 
And I, I, I do know that physicians get very little training in technology. You know, it's sort of on the fly. You you had a bolus injection of understanding the role technology could play through your your work in industry, early industry, entrepreneurial industry. I would love to get your impression because often companies on the technology side, like VizAI, they knock on the door and the door isn't answered. You, you not only saw the potential, but you welcomed them in and made them a a partner in in answering a key question. How do we get to people who present with who will present with serious cardiovascular disease? How do we as a company make a commitment to get to them earlier so that we can help? And I'd be curious to get into your thinking about, yeah, we need a technology partner here, a, a data partner who can help make that a reality. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, I think that the technology comes in all different forms and colors, and you have to really understand which technology will fit well for the purpose that you want to use it for, because it could be different based, you know, it could be an imaging technology for one thing. It could be uh, a Viz AI technology that we're using in this case, which is with a, with an EKG. But you're right. You know, I had my exposure to technology very early in my career. And, but I, I'll be honest, I think we were out with technology. Uh, we were too early in the game. And, and as a result, we didn't have an audience that we thought we should have. And now I see, you know, literally 25 years later where we are, and it's been huge progress uh, in that way. So in one way, yes, you're right, that many of us don't get that training during our residency fellowship, et cetera, about how AI or any technology can, can help us make patient care better, diagnosis better. Uh, but having said that, it's, it's, it's come a long ways in the last two decades. And, and some of that is because the technology itself has gotten better. The, the, the way we can process information, the amount of information we can process, how quickly we can process, all of that has improved dramatically over the years. But I think in this particular case, you know, we, we could have gone multiple different ways from a technology perspective. The question was, what can you use from a technological tool perspective that is easy, comprehensive, easy to implement and get data from because you can come up with a great technological solution but if it's very complex and complicated to implement it it may not get you where you want to go so one of the things that was advantageous here was to get to a tool that was used in clinical practice on a daily basis uh, it has great familiarity uh, from people so the tool is very familiar now the technology behind it maybe a black box for many folks, but at least the technology, the, the tool itself is very familiar. They can relate to it. And it's actually interesting to hear some of the comments when people say, wow, I didn't realize that I could put the same information I look at on a daily basis into an engine and actually get something out of it that allows me to move my patient care forward. So I think that's an interesting dynamic here. It's, it's fa fascinating to hear that because I'm stunned by the fact that the majority of this patient community goes under or undiagnosed. And Jamie, I'm, I'm just wondering how, if I can get behind the curtain a little bit, you know, many people say, okay, AI, artificial augmented intelligence, I, I get it. it. It seems to be a buzzword. When I entered this field, we talked about way back when big data, and then we talked about machine learning, like machine learning. And now of course we're 
we're at a, a term AI, which has become popularized because of open AI has brought it into the consumer world. So suddenly this professional world, this consumer world have found some form of verbal harmony. Could you share with us a little bit of what you and in your role as chief clinical officer of VizAI, what you're doing to collect all this data, because it still comes down to a lot of data. That's what people would say to me way back when, what's big data? And I said, well, it's a lot of data. Um, so you you collect a lot of data and then you, machine learning was really pattern recognition of, of data. Um, so you're doing that. And then you're providing insight in terms of um, patient types or patients um, that may actually be at risk for cardiomyopathy. And I see this as a, a big public health contribution by BMS and Viz AI to the community. You're, I think you're changing the whole dynamic of how we'll engage people who may have serious cardiovascular disease. We won't wait till they appear in the ER any longer. We might have the possibility of connecting with them far earlier in the progression stage when we can do far more from them therapeutically. So I wanted to get the sense of what's the genesis of how do you get all this data and and behind the scenes how do you how do you master its analysis? Yeah, I think it's a great question and really back to your point of like not we don't want patients to come into the ED and that be where they get found, right? Because at that point they're already sick. And we really wanna be able to help find patients in the community setting. And that's why we really focused on ECGs as really that top of funnel of where we're screening patients because all of us probably listening to the show have had an ECG, right? Whether it's for our annual screening, whether you've played sports. So we've really worked to ingest the data um, because we have a large install base across some of the biggest health systems across the country, about 1,500 in the biggest IDNs, we already have the foundational data streams and those pipes laid. So we can ingest the data. We pull in the data from all over the health system, whether doesn't matter if you're out in a primary care office or you're in your cardiology office or you are coming through the ED. We're taking that data, we're analyzing the ECGs, we're scanning them, we're running the modeling. And then even further down in the patient journey, what we're really working to do is do summarization with that, you know, the natural language processing for very specific elements that are coming off of the echo and the EHR to make it a much clearer picture for the clinician to make decisions on what to do with that patient. Just dropping in, you're right on time for Health on a Best on HealthConnect Radio. Today, we're chatting with Dr. Narinda Bala, Senior Vice President, Worldwide Medical and Head of Cardiovascular and Established Brands, Krista Mara Squibb, a global pharmaceutical company, and Jamie Strauss, RN, MSN, MBA, the Chief Clinical Officer at Viz.ai, the leading AI care coordination platform for disease detection and workflow optimization. Stay tuned. That's, you know, that's so insightful. And, you know, Nani, I'm wondering if you could go back a few years when you were walking around the halls and uh, in sort of grand rounds and um, and looking at this, because I, I think one of the things you bring to your role at BMS in cardiology is 
you also have that bedside experience. You also have the, the sort of like looking at the flip chart or also sitting there and looking at ECG reports and, and sort of looking at the potential of abnormalities. When you think of bringing technology into it, I, the question I have for you d- distinctly is, right now through this uh, this collaboration, are we reaching a point where um, health innovators from the biopharmaceutical side and the technology side are actually becoming augmentative channels of public health? So BMS is investing in insight that may change the whole dynamic of how we look at cardiomyopathy. Now, what do we look at at the earliest stages? You're going to see patterns through this research. And I'm sure knowing your company as I do, you'll probably be sharing those patterns. They won't, you know, you'll you'll make sure that everybody can benefit from that. I'd be excited to hear about what you can share, a sense of vision about the fact that by doing this, you, the BMS community are saying, we feel a responsibility to the cardiovascular community and patients may be touched by this disease. That's one of the reasons why we're doing it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, absolutely. Listen, the patient's in the center of all of this. And and as we start to think about, you know, the patterns that may, and, and honestly, I can't tell you all the patterns that might emerge. You know, there might be some really obvious ones that we would say, okay, you know, here are the things, here are the patients that we diagnosed, but for how long did they have the condition before we got this technology to them to be able to actually then establish the diagnosis? So what was the compression that we made in the diagnosis, for example? You know, because we compressed that time frame into a much shorter time frame. What does that look like? And what does that mean from a patient perspective, from a life perspective, or or, or what they might have done differently? So, so I think as that data accumulates, yeah, we, we will want to share whatever our, our lessons and learnings are from, from those things. And, and then also just looking at how are you driving action? Because technology, and, and Jamie and I were together earlier today and just talking about this, so, you know, it's great to be able to use a technology, identify the patient, but someone's still got to take that next step to make sure that that patient then moves through the right pathway to get the treatment or the di- or further diagnostic testing, whatever the case might be, they still need to move. So how do you drive action? And I think some of what we learn here, I'm hoping will help uh, drive action as well, not just use a technology to make a, a, to give an answer, but actually drive the action that needs to occur afterwards uh, to have the benefit to the patient at the end of the day. You know, just just if, if I could just stay with you one more moment, because, you know, people have heard of cardiomyopathy. It, it's described in, in many different sort of common consumer terms. But could you share with people what happens when people start to present with cardiomyopathy? Yeah. And, and, and listen, you know, cardiomyopathy is, a, is a, I'll just say it's a wide berth because it, there are many, many different types of cardiomyopathies. You know, the ones that we are obviously working with, with Jamie on and, and with AI on is, is with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And cardiomyopathies, unfortunately, uh, even those that may not be necessarily hypertrophic cardiomyopathies can present with very nonspecific symptoms or they can be asymptomatic because you may have a genetic predisposition to a cardiomyopathy, but that doesn't mean that you will 100% develop that cardiomyopathy or at what time in your life will you actually show signs and symptoms of that cardiomyopathy. So it's a little bit unpredictable. Uh, it can be asymptomatic. And when you do get the symptoms, they can be very nonspecific, you know, shortness of breath, tiredness, chest discomfort, uh, maybe a little bit of palpitations or more palpitations. 
so you can start to imagine that you can start to go off track to diagnose the known types of things that give you those symptoms. Oh yeah, maybe you have a heart problem with your blood vessels because that can give you shortness of breath, that can give you chest pain. Well, you're having palpitations, maybe it's this or that. So you can also see how those symptoms can unfortunately lead you into a diagnostic pathway that may not get you to the right diagnosis because the symptoms are so can be so nonspecific. That's really so, challenging. Yeah, very challenging. So that's the that's really the 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 thing here, and and then. Those patients, you know, many of them progress until it becomes debilitating, or that's when someone may take an, a different action and then make the diagnosis. But but then the patient may have progressed to a different stage. You know, that, that this is so important, and I, I really f- sort of feel your your clinical history. You know, seeing patients coming out. Obviously, you know, here you are. There's a whiteboard behind you, making important decisions to guide a clinical program and but yet you you draw on that clinical experience and and Jamie I'm thinking of you now you you spent a good chunk of your career also on the other side or the same side as you know seeing patients you you were in health systems you were in Piedmont Healthcare in Georgia you you were at Baptist Health, health in South Florida I mean you've spent a lot of years um as someone really on the clinical side as well in the in the hospital system I'd be curious from your perspective, from both of your perspectives, because you really haven't grown up in industry, you've you've sort of transitioned into industry, do you have a better idea of how technology should be applied to improve patient care? I think that when you live in the clinical world and you kind of can really see where things break down and where there's challenges and how patients receive care and how they move through their journey through a healthcare system, you start identifying where things are kind of fundamentally broken and where technology and tools can solve that, right? Like we don't have to make it so hard for patients and and also for the clinicians that are caring for them. Um, And it's actually how I ended up coming to Viz was because I was a user of Viz and it completely changed how I ran my stroke alerts as a nurse, as as a stroke nurse. And it was so impactful to see how we took a process before and were able to streamline it down, get more patients to the right specialists for care, and really then even show through that patients had better outcomes and went home with less disability. So yes, I think, you know, it is a hard shift when you switch from healthcare to industry, but I think we bring a perspective from what happens in the health system and with patients and how tools and innovation can really solve those challenges. Yeah, I think this is very unique. So, you know, I'm I'm thinking about your collaboration. I mean, this is very special. Obviously, many companies um, work with outside enterprises in the technology area. That's nothing new. But I, I sort of sense that this relationship, because it's it's so focused around the patient. I think Nani, you 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 said this so well that this is a this is an effort that is centered around the patient. How do we help the patient? How do we use the best of science, the best of technology to improve patient care and ensure access to patient care? I know I, I, I wish we had an hour for this show, but Healthcare Now Radio doesn't give that to me. There's another show that bumps right into mine right afterward. But I'd, I'd love to get some closing thoughts from you because I'm kind of overwhelmed with the collaborative spirit that you both exhibit toward each other. And you were both together today. So that's even, that really demonstrates that. Nani, how how important is it that this relationship between you and Viz AI, 
how important is it for for BMS you feel to pursue its fullest potential to to sustain and save people's lives? I think it's it's very important, and you know, and we we are making sure that we and, and more is also you know as you learn from this relationship and the outputs from this relationship, how do you use that to make it even stronger and make the next steps next stage better? So I think it's extremely important for us, and. Uh, you know, we hope that uh, we hope that this effort in the end uh, does benefit patients. You know, we've been together for over a year on, on the in the relationship, but uh, you know, we are now starting to see where it can lead. So hopefully, uh, you know, next time we come on this show, maybe we can uh, tell you more as to how this has all turned out. <laughs> oh, I would love that. I would love that. You know, Jamie, I I follow Viz AI. I watch your feed on uh, X, formerly Twitter, and and other places. Uh, your company has been very, very committed to clinical science. It's not, you know, it's not just I sense a technology company. That's the the process. But but you've been very busy sharing uh, science in a in sort of a peer review setting. Um, it, it is that something that you think is inherent in the Viz AI culture that that it is important to show that AI is actually part of the um, outcome process. Yeah, it's fundamentally part of our culture and our mission of what we're doing because I think, you know, there's a lot of AI out there and a lot of notion that you can just put it in and it'll work automatically. And it's not. You really got to get into the workflow, into the patient journey and care coordination. But more importantly, what is the impact that you're making for patients, right? So we've done a lot of patient um publications on patient outcomes across all of the disease states that we work in. And we keep that for in front of mind, um, you know, as to what do we need to look at that shows impact to patients, but also benefit to clinicians. Well, I, I want to thank you both for this. I, I'm really looking forward to having you both back. I, I think this is just a game-changing collaborative effort. It's so thrilling to hear when people get together with a sense of how do I use clinical science? How do I use um, digital health technologies to potentially get places that I never imagined I would. And the most important place that it seems that you both want to get to is improving patients' lives. Thanks so much for joining us on Health Unabashed. Thank you. Thank you. And that, dear listeners, is the last note for today's Melody. A huge thanks to our worldwide listeners for tuning in and deep gratitude to our special guests, Dr. Narinda Bala, Senior Vice President, Worldwide Medical and Head of Cardiovascular and Established Brands at Bristol-Myers Squibb, a global pharmaceutical company, and Jamie Strauss, the Chief Clinical Officer at Viz.ai, the leading AI care coordination platform for disease detection and workflow optimization. For more information or to access on-demand replays of our work, go to healthcarenowradio.com and select Health Unabashed from the Programs tab. To keep up with their work, go to www.bms.com and www.viz.ai, respectively. Stay social with Gil and me on Twitter via at Gil underscore Bash, and that's B-A-S-H-E, and Greg Masters, MPH, and that's Greg with two Gs. Don't forget to give your tweets some zing with our hashtag, Health Unabashed. Until we meet again, pursue your passion for better health and no apologies. <laughs>